Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. It's coming from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano, and if you wonder what anarchy is all about, Anarchos without rulers. Anarchist society is a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power. That means you share power and you share wealth. Inequalities in power and wealth is what gives rulers the power to put their needs before the needs of you and me and the community as a whole. It's a very simple concept. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power, share wealth, equal decision-making power, possibly through direct democratic format, equal share of wealth. So it's a very simple concept hard to uh, break down authority, but it's about breaking down authority. It's about creating a society where we all share. Very simple, easy, and it's not about waiting for the magic moment, the magic revolutionary moment. There are no magic revolutionary moments. We create those moments. There's no inevitability about life. We create change. And if you're wondering, if you're waiting for the government or the public sector or the private sector to do the work for you, you will be waiting for eternity. We are the people we've been waiting for. We will make that difference. Nobody else. Now, I'd like to start off with uh, public housing, everybody's business. This is one of this is our next uh, big project. From the 14th of November to the 24th of November, we will be on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, what's left of the steps. Two-thirds have now been boarded up, so don't don't despair. We will be holding that 10-day vigil, whether it's on the footpath or the road or on the steps, we will be there. And we are trying to make public housing a Victorian election issue. People... Before railway crossings is our motto. People before railway crossings. And our program is exceptionally simple and well funded. If you use Victorian stamp duty revenue, and stamp duty is the tax that you pay if you buy a house, which is $6 billion plus per year currently. If you use that stamp duty revenue for public housing, 
You can house one million. That's right, one million Victorians in public housing by 2029. The election is on the 24th of November in the state of Victoria, and it's all about infrastructure, railway crossing, roads, tunnels, law and order, bit of drip feeding, you know, the masses. Nobody's talking about housing. Now, the Public Housing Minister, Mr Martin Foley, because we do have a, there is a Labor government led by Mr Andrews in Victoria, has been under a little bit of pressure over the last few years, people like us and people and other people involved in the public housing struggle, and he's thrown a piece of meat to the rabid dog. That's right, you and me, we're the rabid dogs. We are the ones who are going to ruin their little party on the 24th of November by attempting to make public housing a major election issue. So Mr Foley has done something he has not done in four years as the Minister for Housing. He has thrown a piece of uh, cyanide-laden meat in your direction and he's used the P word when he's put out the bait. And what he's decided is that there is so much pressure for public housing mounting and his seat in Albert Park has many public housing residents that, that's right, that he will allocate $209 million over four years, that's right, over four years to provide 1,800 public housing places for people in dire emergencies, people fleeing domestic violence and people who are homeless. Is that all there is, I hear you say? That's all there is. And he expects you and me to pounce on this piece of meat and, 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 and sing hallelujah and gobble it down. Well, mate, we are not going to gobble it down. Our demand is simple. Use Victorian stamp duty revenue, $6 billion per year for public housing. House 1 million Victorians in public housing by 2029. Public housing is not the housing of last resort for people in dire emergencies. Public housing should be available not only to people in dire emergencies, but every person in this country, not just Victoria, in this country who will never be able to enter the property market, who will never be able to afford the deposit to enter the property market, who will never be able to get a bank loan for a house, a housing loan. And this is an increasing number of Australians. We're talking about 40 to 50% of Australians, up to 60 to 70% of younger Australians who haven't got access to the bank of mum and daddy who will find themselves in this situation. So public housing is a mechanism via which to provide people with safe, secure, affordable housing. Housing, rentals, which are limited to 25% of a person's income, which means whether you're on a new start allowance or, you know, 
you know, five, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and you can't enter the property market, you can't buy secure, safe housing. You have access to that housing. Now there is nobody else out there. You've got the community and affordable housing sector, which are jumping up and down, being fed constantly by the state Labor government, who wants to outsource their responsibility to the private sector. Now, I'm sure there are very many nice people in the community and public, community and affordable housing sector who think they're doing the right things. But you cannot absolve your responsibility as a government to private interests, irrespective of whether they're for profit or not for profit, to provide a basic necessity. And it's not just about having a roof over your head. It's about children having the ability to form friendships, not to go to 20 schools over their lifetime. It's about children having a safe, secure environment. It's about them being able to have the same sporting clubs, the same community activities, the same schools. Irregular housing, insecure housing creates problems for the community as a whole. So this 10 days in November, the 14th to the 24th of November, is a last-ditch attempt by us to put public housing first and foremost in the community's mind. The time for meetings and negotiations is over. The government has put its cards on the table. The opposition isn't even playing in the poker game of public housing. They want to privatise everything that you know still remains, just like the Labor government. They want to do it much more quickly. The Greens have a policy of supporting public housing. If they gain the balance of power at the next state election, there is a possibility, a possibility that public housing will once again rise up phoenix-like from the ashes. But if you don't do anything about it, I can assure you that after the 24th of November, the same problems will continue to exist in our community regarding housing security. The same people will be paying half their income to get a roof over their heads. The same high rents will continue to exist because a strong public housing sector puts downward pressure on rents at the lower end of the market because there are fewer people competing for properties. It also decreases the, the prices of entry-level properties for first-home buyers because investors not getting a return on their uh, investment will sell that property and invest in something else. So a strong public housing sector is critical. And I'll give you an example of how out of touch governments around this country are, both at the state and federal level, regarding public housing. Now, in front of me, I've got a nice, glossy magazine from Let's Talk Bayside, which I would think would be one of the most um, expensive places in Australia. Great suburbs, Bayside. And this is this program, this glossy little brochure comes out every three to four months and it's been handed to me and you wouldn't call the Bayside City Council you know a, a mob of uh, radicals or militants and in this little publication it says public housing the issue this is according to one of the most conservative richest 
communities in Australia. This is according to their council. The issue, the $185 million public housing renewal program to redevelop public housing at sites across Melbourne will not achieve a significant increase in public housing dwelling numbers. The solution, Bayside needs more public housing dwellings that are suitable for families to make the most of Bayside's access to community, infrastructure and services. Bayside Council wants to work with the state government to provide much-needed, high-quality public housing. End of story. But as far as the government and the opposition are concerned and the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC are concerned, it is not an issue. As far as the Victorian state election on the 24th of November is concerned, it is not an issue. So we will need to put our bodies on the line during that 10-day period to make public housing an issue. I'm not asking you to come there 24 hours a day, 10 days a week. I'm going to attempt to do that personally. Whether I survive or not, who knows. But come along for a few hours and show your support. Bring some food and drinks for the people on the, on the uh, vigil site. And it's a peaceful, it's a peaceful vigil. It's an alcohol and drug-free zone, a respectful zone. We will show them through our behaviour that, by putting our bodies on the line, that public housing is something which is worthwhile fighting for. And those of you who have asked me whether I'll be standing as an independent candidate in the electorate of Albert Park, which is the electorate of the housing minister, Victorian housing minister, Mr Martin Foley, I'll give you an answer next on next week's a program i'll know by then but the important thing is not whether i stand or not because i would never be elected the important thing is that we have you there on the steps of the victorian parliament house from the 14th to the 24th of november midday the 14th the 24th november and the two anarchists will this week's which I broadcast, will be broadcast live from the steps of the Victorian Parliament House on the 14th of November and the 21st of November to keep you up to date with this struggle. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. You want more information? Go to the Defend and Extend Facebook page or Public Housing Everybody's Business Facebook page. Ten days in November. People before railway crossings. Use Victorian stamp duty revenue, $6 billion per year, plus per year, for public housing. House 1 million Victorians in public housing by 2029. House everybody on the waiting list within 12 months via a spot purchasing program. By the end of 2019, If this was implemented, this idea was implemented, there will be nobody homeless on the streets. There will be nobody on the waiting list who is currently on the waiting list for public housing in Victoria. And this is an issue not just for Victoria, it's an issue across Australia. Now, if you're listening to this program on the 24th of October and you find yourself in the first city of Melbourne, we are holding a rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, what's left of them? As I said, two-thirds have been taken up by hoardings. 
strange how, you know, things need to be redeveloped and we want to have a vigil up there, but that's just my paranoia, I think. From midday to about 1, 1.30pm, that's Wednesday the 24th of November if you're listening to this program. If you miss it, relax. You've got 10 days in November. This will be one of the great actions of this of the, in Australia in 2018. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph, Joseph Toscana. You can, act, you can go a number of Facebook pages, find out what's going on. Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend public housing. Public interest before corporate interest. Download the application form. Join Pipsy. Public interest before corporate interest. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. You can go to the Facebook page, uh, uh, Joseph Toscano. Uh, there's many other Facebook pages linked and uh, Anarchist Media Institute site, anarchistmedia.org. Have a look. Get involved. Okay, let's move on. Now, just a, a plea. A plea. A plea. The West Papuan uh, Wren Collective is entering its fifth year. We are in a crisis-critical juncture. I keep saying we're in a critical juncture, but this time I can assure you we are in a critical juncture. We are short 20 members. So if you think of making a Christmas present or a New Year's Eve present to a friend... Why don't you join them up to the West Parkland Rent Collective? Want more information? Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Uh, the next West Parkland Rent Collective gathering will be at the office at 838 Collins Street in Docklands at 1pm on Sunday the 9th of December. Put that in your diary. Try before you buy. Have a look at the place. Have a look at what they're doing. Join the Red Collective. A dollar a day. If you can't provide a dollar a day and you want to just make one one off contribution, you can. Not a problem. Contact me on 0439 395 489 and I'll send you the relevant material. Now, everybody's a bit confused. They're a bit Confused. 160,000 people turns out, turned out on the streets of Melbourne on the 23rd of October. That's about 3.5% of the current Melbourne population. That's not to be sneezed at. That's three and a half people in every hundred men, women and children who took the day off to get involved in a protest. Now, the, you know, the fascinating thing was that more people turned out in Melbourne than the other 10 rallies across the country. And when we look at radical activity or militant activity or protest activity, Melbourne is not just the sporting capital of the world or Australia. It is the protest capital of the world. And why is it so? Why is it so? As Professor Julius Sumner Miller used to say, all your old folk remember that. Why is it so? Well, I'll tell you why it's so. Because of the Eureka Rebellion on the 3rd of December, 1854. It didn't finish on the 3rd of December, 1854. The principles which are embodied in the Eureka Oath we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. The principles of internationalism, direct democracy, 
direct action and solidarity are still as relevant today in this country as they were 164 years ago. And once again, the Anarchist Institute will be holding the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat from 4am to 10pm on Monday, the 3rd of December. We celebrate on the day. We don't celebrate the first weekend before or after. We celebrate on the day. And we encourage you to join us at Eureka Park at the corner of Eureka and Stall Street in Ballarat at 4am to take part in these celebrations which will go on continuously to at least 10pm ending up with the Eureka Dinner at the Queen's Head Hotel in Ballarat where our guest speaker will be one of the, will be the most the foremost the foremost Eureka expert in this country living Eureka expert in this country Dr Anne Sunterbegs from Ballarat will be talking about two Eureka champions Dr Walsh and Dr Maloney who both have died in the last 12 months it costs you nothing the dinner you just pay for your food and drinks you don't want to drink or eat anything you can just come along and be part of the dinner you don't have to ring anybody you don't have to ask for permission just turn up we'll have the uh, posters up on the websites the next week or so for you to have a look at the program but put it down in your diary Monday the 3rd of December and in case you're thinking of nominating somebody for the Eureka Australia medal and there will be six Eureka Australia Day medals presented at Bakery Hill in Ballarat at around 10am or is it 9.30 around 10am on Monday the 3rd of December we are still looking for nominations. We've got a number of nominations. Nominations will close on the 31st of October. So you, if you know some poor activist who's sweated all their lives, who's done all the hard work to bring up an issue to the fore, then nominate them. It's very simple. Send your nomination to anarchistage at yahoo.com. A name, a few sentences why you nominate them and a contract address for them, whether it's an email or a postal address so we can ask them whether they wish to receive the Eureka Australia Medal. So nominations will close within a week. So now's the time to get your nominations in if you've been thinking about it because there are a lot of people out in our society who do the hard work, who sweat, who care, who are ethical, who make the moral, the right moral decisions who get kicked about, who are ostracised, marginalised, pauperised and finally shunted aside as so much dead wood who need to be recognised, who will never, 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 never be recognised in the so-called Invasion Day honours list and Queen Lizzie's birthday list. What a pathetic situation. What a pathetic set of honours. Two days. Fancy giving out honours on Invasion Day, the 26th of January, and giving out honours on Queen Lizzie's fake birthday, a descendant of murderers, rapists, thieves, 
Extraordinary. So if you know some real people who've done some real things to help real people and make some significant changes in our society, who need to be honoured, now's your chance. Email it to anarchistage at yahoo.com or post it to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. A name, a contact point, either an address or an email, and a few sentences of why. We'll make the decisions early November and we'll send out uh, notifications to people then. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This is, the Anarchist, this is the Anarchist World This Week, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is uh, streaming live via the Community Radio Network across Australia, north to south, east to west, up and down, and around the world via the World Wide Web. Remember those old confests? They're still going on, I understand. We are now having a superannuation confest. Now, superannuation is my favourite thing. It is the biggest con since time immemorial. And we've seen all the old players, the prats of the world, the kiddings of the world, sitting around saying, tut, 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 tut. Tut, tut. We need to do something about superannuation. Well, superannuation is just the heroin that the share market and the stock market and private investors needed to keep this capitalist system rolling over, to keep a system which people protested against, you know, over 250,000 people across the country, keep a system which keeps 40% of Australian workers in insecure jobs, to keep a system which does not give pay rises to workers while company profits, large company profits, continue to rise exponentially, to keep that system in play because money for your retirement is invested on your behalf in the stock market. 40 cents of every dollar goes into the share market and other goes into bodgy, questionable, moral, ethical, unethical, immoral investments. So these geniuses are saying, oh, we need to increase the superannuation levy. Now, it's your bloody money. It's not the employer's money. It's a trade-off. You know? Oh. And the business sector says, ooh, ooh, we would like small business loans to come out of that trillion dollars in superannuation funds. Well, a long time ago on this program, I think over a bloody decade ago, I raised the concept of creating a third tier to the economy. This is nothing radical. You've got private employment, public employment. In Australia, the collective and cooperative movement takes up less than 0.1% of employees. Cooperatives and collectives is an economic system which creates employment for the members of that group, which then shares profits equally among members of that group or shares profits among members of that group. Profits do not go to shareholders. 
They don't go, you know, to uh, some infrastructure. They are shared by the people who do the work. It's a viable economic system which is used in, around the world in many, many, many places successfully. But the problem is in Australia, as the small business sector is finding out because they want an access to the trillion dollars in the superannuation funds, you know, as investment loans. The problem is in Australia, nobody is going to give you the start-up capital to create a cooperative or collective. And unless you can come up with the money yourself, you cannot get a loan. So why not divert? Why not divert one Percent. That's right. One percent of superannuation funds, that's a hundred million dollars, to be used to be used as seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives who would then pay interest on that loan and those people in the superannuation fund will be guaranteed a return. Obviously, some cooperatives and collectors will fail, as some small businesses and large businesses fail. But the majority would flourish. And if you've got a strong cooperative and and collectivist sector, it provides direct competition with the private sector. Simple. So the thing about listening to the anarchist world this week is you don't have to be a genius... You don't need a PhD in esoteric 19th century anarchist politics. You don't have to know much. You don't have to have read much because most anarchist ideas are very simple. You know, we're simple folk. We're very basic, simple folk. We're interested in devolving power, putting power back in the hands of people, and we're interested in holding wealth in common and using for the common good. Simple concepts. So having a a strong collective and cooperative sector in a mixed economy where you've got the public sector, the private sector, and the collectivist cooperative sector competing in the same marketplace is what they call a win-win situation for everybody except the private sector. (laughs) All right, loyalty. Now, are you like me? You're a loyal person. Well, I'm not that loyal, but (laughs) you're a loyal customer because you can't be bothered, you know, going through all the bullshit and wasting your life trying to find the right electricity plan for yourself and then ripped off. Well, you know, every major institution, privately run institution in this country, whether it's a bank, a financial sector, whether it's an electricity company, a gas company, you know, you name it, they shit, and I hate to use a four-letter word, S-H-I-T, they shit on loyalty. They use people's loyalty as an excuse excuse to exploit them. That's right. If there's one thing the Banking Royal Commission to the financial and banking sector showed is that people who are loyal to corporations are exploited mercilessly. Mercilessly. They are seen as wood ducks. That's right, wood ducks, ready to be pillaged, dismembered and discarded. 
It's quite extraordinary. I mean, you go into a coffee shop, you buy five coffees and you get the sixth coffee free. They expect your loyalty. That's if you bother to get a loyalty card and get it stamped. Because they know that repeat customers is the backbone of their business. But with these scum, this scum, this corporate scum, if you're a loyal customer, whether it's a phone company, a financial company, a banking, a bank, electricity company, a gas company, you name it, insurance company, if you're loyal and you trust them, they think you're an idiot. They think you're ready to be exploited. It's quite extraordinary. So it's amazing. The word loyalty has now lost all meanings and all connotations in 21st century society. And that brings me to the my favourite topic, words, language. Now, you may find this hard to believe, but English is my second language. I didn't speak a word of English till I was about five or six and I think when English is your second language, you begin to really understand the power of words in our society. And what we've seen over the last four years during the, yes, I'm going to use the dreaded four, the dreaded four horse people, or men of, or women of the apocalypse, what we've seen during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation and corporatisation era over the past 40 years is the complete debasement of the language. We have seen the achievements of a 100 years of working people struggle. We have seen the achievements which required blood, sweat and tears across the world by people fighting authority and winning pushed out the door flushed down the toilet. We've seen that. And their weapons haven't been in Western societies like Australia. Their weapons haven't been swords and guns. Their weapons have been much more subtle and much more destructive. Their weapon has been the debasement of the language. Now, when we first started public interest before corporate interests in the middle of 2015, we were amazed at how the word public had lost all meaning and was equated with bad. If something is public, if it's for the interests of the many before the interests of the few, that's what public is, it is bad. It is evil. It is second-rate. This is not an accident. In an era of privatization, we have to glorify and worship at the you know at the feet of Mammon. We have to worship it. So we need to debase the concept of putting the interests of the many before the interests of the few as bad. While putting the interests of the few before the interests of the many, which we see at every level. That's why 250,000 people marched around Australia on the 23rd of October. We see it at every level in our community where the interests of the few are considered to be good. If it's private, it's good. It's more efficient. It's better. It's fairer. What a load of garbage. 
We need to resuscitate words. We need to grab them, bring them back to us and say, these are our words. And we saw that with Martin Foley, the Minister for Housing in the Victorian State Government, who's a bit concerned about his Albert Park seat. He's because he's standing for re-election on the 24th of November in a seat that has been held by the Australian Labor Party continuously since 1950. 66 years, or 68 years, my apologies. He's concerned and he dragged, he, he, he put his hand in his soul and he pulled out the P word, public. And he found a miserable $207 million for public housing and he threw the piece of cyanide-laden meat out to the rabid dogs, you and me, and we said, piss off. We're not going to fall for this. We need the word public to be part of everyday discourse. Let's carry on with this assault against language, against the meaning of words in this country. We have a social security system. And if you look at all the legislation, it's all about social security. And what is a social security system? A social security system is a mechanism by which all sections of society are secure. And you secure the rich by looking after the poor. You secure the powerful by looking after the powerless. But no, we don't have a social security system in this country. We have a welfare system. And even when the tax office sends you your little piece of paper telling you where your taxes have gone, we have the word welfare on the Australian Taxation Office piece of paper. And when we hear our lords and masters and mistresses carry on about how we should tighten our belts, we all hear about the welfare bludgers and the dull bludgers and the welfare cheats. It's all about welfare as if we're dropping coins from afar into the hands of the dirty. You know, we don't want to get our hands dirty. It's a welfare system. It is not a bloody welfare system. It is a social security system and we should not let get them get away with debasing the language. For example, in Victoria, which I'm familiar with, we have the community and affordable housing sector whose you know, butter wouldn't melt in their mouth. They are the new pin-up boys and girls. These are privately owned organisations, whether they're owned by religious bodies or corporations. or These are privately owned organisations. It's only the public housing which is owned by the state. Then we have customers how many times have you been called a customer you're a customer of public transport you're not a customer of public transport you're a client you're a citizen how often do we hear the word citizen we only hear the word citizens when they want to force us to do something it's all about being a customer of the australian tax office it's been a customer of centrelink 
It's been a customer of this and a customer of that. I'm not buying a bloody service. I'm accessing a service as my right as a citizen's. And why are we no longer citizens? Because citizens have rights and responsibilities. Citizens make decisions about how society functions. Customers, customers have the privilege of complaining to government organisations which have no power. Look at the debacle with ASIC and all the regulatory authorities that look at telecommunications energy. You go and complain and they say, oh, we can't do much about that. We don't have the legislative power. Oh, we don't have the staff. (laughs) We're citizens and residents with rights and responsibilities. We're asylum seekers or refugees, citizens, residents. We are not bloody customers. If I go into a shop and buy a $2 toothbrush, yeah, I'm a customer, I'll accept that. But if I go to excessive taxpayer-funded service, I'm not a customer. I am somebody who has a right to access that service. And if I don't have a right, I'll be told. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Oh, Pear Dutton. Poor Mr Dutton. Relevance Deprivation Syndrome. Now, we all know about the atrocities that have been committed on Nauru and Manus Islands on our behalf. We know that. We all know that. We know about these atrocities and we know that this is totally unacceptable. And the Morrison government, or the whatever he's called, I can't even remember his bloody name, he's so insignificant, loses the Wentworth by-election. What type of Prime Minister is he? Mr Morrison. You know, his little mate, the au pair, au pair Dutton, really, really concerned about the fortunes of his au pair, his mate's au pairs, but doesn't really give a shit about children on Nauru. Doesn't care one iota. Up he jumps in Parliament, our hero, Oper Dutton, who will, and you've heard it on the Anarchist World this week, lose his parliamentary seat at the next state election. And the capital is will, because he's such, such an abomination. Well, Oper Dutton says, well, you know of those children of Nauru, 13 of those children have a father who's had a negative national security risk assessment from the United States of America. And obviously you're supposed to recall in horror and say, well, it's acceptable to punish those children, isn't it? Because their father, you know, the crimes of the father. So, Mr O'Pair Dutton, enjoy your time in Parliament because... When you vote out of office in a few months' time, you will have to rely on your childcare centres and your parliamentary superannuation pension and maybe a few au pairs who you'll be able to employ to look after you. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network and talking about relevance deprivation syndrome. Poor old Barnaby. 
I feel so sorry for Mr Barnaby Joyce. You know, the great man, he said, you know, I've done this and I'm not going to resign. And then you put a bit of pressure on him and he turns all watery, you know, starts, you know, breaking down, turns all watery, resigns. And now he wants his old job back, boys and girls. Let's hope he loses his parliamentary seat because it'd be good to see this trio, Abbott, Joyce and Dutton, lose their parliamentary seat at the next federal election sometime before the middle of next year. Wouldn't it be wonderful to wave goodbye to these disreputably, disreputably, disreputable political um, whatever. Oh, words fail me and it's, it's unusual for words to fail me. Now, now, do you know that the future of the coal and oil industry is much, 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 much more important than the future of the planet? Did you know that? Well, if you live in Australia, I think it is. We see the Morrison government. Yes, I remembered his name finally. You see the Morrison... Oh, he's such a... Such a forgettable person. I mean, remember, he was the architect of the Abbott policy regarding refugees. Don't forget that. And he is a fundamentalist Christian, which fits fits the bill. I've got nothing against fundamentalist Christians, fundamentalist Hindus, fundamentalist Muslims. As long as they don't push their shit down my throat, I don't particularly care, you know, how they, you know, how they go on with their business. But I am concerned about the coal and oil industry, holding the world hostage, especially in Australia, where we see the Morrison government doing somersaults, trying to come up with an energy policy. Now, he wants to bring down energy prices. And he's just found out, Mr Morrison, that, you won't believe this, that all those private entities which gobbled up the state-owned energy production facilities across this country and the power lines and the transmission lines and the um, generators and the sales office and the list goes on and on. You know, we've got hundreds of companies now jostling for market space. But they actually haven't been rewarding loyal customers. They've been ripping them off. And he says, oh... Maybe deregulation didn't work. So what are we going to do? We'll kind of wave a big wand at them. Not a big stick, but a big wand, a fairy wand, and say, here, here, look at the fairy wand. If you're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll hit you with it. Well, it wouldn't have been very simple if 30 years ago when everybody, every state government, almost every state government in this country, was privatising their uh, essential infrastructure. Now, if it was still in government hands... How simple would it be to regulate prices? How simple would it be to phase out coal and oil? But now the marketplace is dominated by private interests who are pushed around and intimidated by the coal and oil industry. All we see is governments and oppositions dancing to the tune of the coal and oil companies because at the end of the day, 
They're the important people, aren't they? Your children aren't important and their future's not important and climate change doesn't exist and global warming is a hoax. You know, we all know that. It's all a big hoax. That's what they keep telling us. And that we need clean coal and, you know, we just need to plug on and maximise their profits and stuff the world. Can you imagine us talking like this in 2018? Can you really imagine this is the type of government that we have voted into power? Can you imagine it? Quite extraordinary. Extraordinary. As we keep saying, parliamentary politics, who's pulling the puppet strings? And as far as energy policy is concerned, it's the coal and oil cartels which dominate production. And talking about oil production... And our friends in Saudi Arabia, wonderful people, wonderful people, the 2,000 princes and princesses and whatever who rule the feudal monarchy of uh, Saudi Arabia, what wonderful people, you know. For years they've been liquidating people. You like that? Liquidating, killing them, killing their political opponents, public executions in the streets, Sharia law implemented, you know anything to keep the monarchy in power in Saudi Arabia, the United States' main ally apart from Israel in the Middle East, kidnapping and dismembering people because you don't like them. Why don't they just use the Russian analogy and just stick an umbrella into them? Not smart enough, I assume. They've got to kill them and dismember them. You know, just extraordinary stuff. Even poor. Mr Groper, poor old President Groper, even he's got to say this is <laughs> very amateurish, boys, very, very amateurish, you know. You kidnap a Washington Post reporter, a resident of the United States. Well, you don't kidnap, you murder him on foreign soil in your consulate. Come on, come on. This is not new. This is normal Saudi Arabian behaviour, executions, imprisonment, no freedom of speech, no freedom of movement, simple. And these are the type of fugs that we support in the Middle East. Extraordinary. Talking about extraordinary things, well, it looks like Mr Trump's cash splash, all those tax cuts that occurred, have gone through the share market. All that artificial little bump that occurred is dissipating. And the thing about corporate capitalism is they're greedy. They want more and more and more and more and more. And when they can't make more money, they stop investing. And they look elsewhere to put their funds to exploit people. So those of you who think we are seeing a temporary slide in the American stock market and the Australian stock market have got shares in there, and you all have, because you've all got superannuation funds, and most of these superannuation funds are managed by a few superannuation funds on your behalf, and 40% of every dollar is in the share market, and whether you like it or not, that's where it is. Get ready for your superannuation returns to decrease. This is what happens when we rely on the vagaries of an artificially created marketplace to dominate 
economic activity in the world today. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or pibsi, P-I-B-C-I, info at pibsi.net. You can write to us. Yes, we do still accept letters. And if you do have a few $1 stamps spare, please send them. We always need $1 stamps for correspondence, especially for public interest before corporate interest. I'd like to thank all those people who've been sending stamps, but keep sending $1 stamps. You can send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Don't forget that nominations for the uh, Eureka Australia Medal close on the 31st of October. You've got a week to put in your nominations. You can email them to anarchistage at yahoo.com or you can send them to Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. A name, an address or an email address, postal or email and a few sentences of why you nominate this particular person. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, Joseph Toscano, you've forgotten my first name. You can go to Toscano for the Public. You can go to Pipsy uh, webpage, pipsy.net, download the application form, join public interest before corporate interests. You can go to the Peter, see the wash up of the Peter Norman week, go to Peter Norman Commemoration Committee uh, page. So there's lots of things you can do. Don't forget the vigil from the 14th to the uh, 24th of November in the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And don't forget to join us on Sunday, the 11th of November, which marks the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One at Murchison Cemetery in Victoria at Willoughby Street, Murchison, to pay our respects. That's at 10am to pay our respects to Francesco Fantin, an anarchist who was murdered at Camp Love Day in South Australia in 1942 by our fascists. So come along, 10am, lunch, great day. The uh, mausoleum only opens one day a year, which is the, the 11th of November. So pop in, join us. There'll be a few dozen, a dozen or so of us there to mark that that day. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can go to 3cr.org.au to access the podcast. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network across Australia on your local community radio station next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.